every time I got into a new kitchen, I started at the bottom. Didn't go in at senior level, didn't, because the higher you go, the less you learn. And so I went to the very bottom every time I went into a new kitchen. That is the voice of multi-Michelin starred chef Gordon Ramsay. And what I wouldn't give, I would kill to have that amazing accent. But he's going to give us seven super tips on today's Super You podcast. It's one small step for man. Lift off. We have a lift off. We choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Thank you for joining us for today's Super You Podcast. I am your host, Eric Qualman. Most of you know me as Equal Man. I am very excited for today's show. If you're a foodie, even if you're not a foodie, if you're not an entrepreneur or just want to get better at life, we're going to get some tips here. And that's what this show is all about, right? The show's designed to unlock and unleash that superpower that's within all of us. Some of us don't wear capes, but we're all superheroes, or we need that courage to wear that cape. And today, we're going to have internationally renowned, multi-Michelin starred chef Gordon Ramsay give us seven super tips. And he's opened a string of successful restaurants across the globe from the UK and France to Singapore in the United States. And you might know them as a star on the small screen, both in the UK and internationally with shows such as Kitchen Nightmares, Hell's Kitchen, Hotel Hell, and MasterChef US. Fun fact. So Michelin stars, they originated in the country best known for its passion for cuisine. It's in France. Uh, they Originally, they were a feature of the Michelin Tire Company. They were a feature of the Michelin Guidebooks published in 1900. So this goes back a long way. And they're published by Andre, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, Edward Michelin, the founders of the Michelin Tire Company. Now, Ramsey has earned, or his restaurants have earned 17 Michelin stars over his career to date. Uh, what Ramsey says, there's five things you need to be able to cook. So even if you're not a chef, he is telling you, here are the five things you need to be able to cook. Number one, a great burger, regardless of someone asked for it, whether it's rare or medium rare. I'm a medium man myself when it comes to ground chuck, but you need to make a great burger. Number two, you need to know how to whip up a good breakfast. Number three, chicken dish. Four, a braising dish. I don't know if that, to me, that's the one that could probably fall off. Number five, a great cake. Definitely. That's probably the hardest thing to make. Cake baking's very, very much a science rather than an art, both art and science. But even the best chefs agree you shouldn't skip dessert. So let's get on with dessert, shall we? Let's get to seven super tips with a cherry on top. With Gordon Ramsay. Oh, that's good writing. Cherry on top. So without further ado, here are seven super tips from world-renowned chef Gordon Ramsay. Now on this show and in my books, we talk a lot about stepping into discomfort. Heck, I wear crazy green glasses for partly that reason to remind myself to walk in that discomfort each and every day. Now you say it's important, especially when people are starting their careers, to think knowledge, to think knowledge and discomfort. So to think knowledge and discomfort together over money. Can you unpack that a little bit for us, please? Yeah, my advice to young chefs from the age of 16 to sort of 29, 30 is 14 years of a sponge. You're absorbing knowledge. Don't take a job for the sake of money. Don't worry about earning 500 pound a month or a year more somewhere else. Go and get knowledge because that becomes a bigger passport for everything. The money will come once you've mastered your craft and you become incredibly talented. Work for big chefs and find a different level of comfort. 
when things get too comfortable and you're still living with your parents and you've still got your first job and you don't want to move out because everything's too comfortable, get out. Put yourself in a strange situation in the middle of Barcelona. Put yourself in the middle of Paris. Put yourself in the middle of Belgium and see what's available. And it's amazing how much confidence it gives you. And more importantly, it's great to, to, to sort of eat and travel at the same time. Fantastic. Now, a lot of our listeners are global listeners, but a lot of us are in Western countries or countries that stress kind of, I want it now, a culture we live in, especially here in America. I want it now culture. But in my mind, patience is so underrated. You know, I always say be persistent in the short term, but patient in the long term. Again, persist in the short term, but patient in the long term. In your world, the cooking world, the world of creating memorable food, what role does patience play? That takes years to become a great chef. Uh, what you need to do is establish confidence in, in, in yourself. Uh, cooking is an amazing journey. And don't think you can learn it within three or four years. It's like studying medicine. It's over a 10 to 15 year period. I'm 42 years of age and I'm still learning new exciting things now that I bring back to the fold. But more importantly, vision. Um, I didn't think French was important at school and I kick myself now because I went to live in France for three years and became bilingual. But I wish I'd studied harder with a second language on my belt. That gives you a different culture, gives you a completely different level of confidence learning French, French cuisine, mannerism and cooking in a very robust, uh, tenacious way. So yeah, vision and open-mindedness. And we never cut corners. The minute you start cutting corners in food, time out. There's no worse job to have than to cut corners in food. So attention to detail, an amazing, exciting journey. One of the very few jobs anywhere in the world that you can travel, get paid, and experience phenomenal food anywhere in the world. Brilliant. Yeah, there's an old saying, if you want to go fast, do it yourself. But if you want to go far, do it together. Have that patience to do it together. You know, what is the one piece of advice you give to every aspiring chef that has been on one of your shows? There's one thing I've learned and experienced is that, you know, if you don't open up and you don't delegate, then you'll kill yourself. And if there's one thing that I've managed to understand is the art of delegation, because if I can pass on, you know, to Claire Smith, to Arian, my palette, my understanding, my knowledge, then grab it, run it, and then pass it on to your team. Don't hold that inside. If there's one thing I've learned over the last 10 years, stay in front of the competition because there's two ways in this industry. You, you move with it or it moves you. And I've seen so many sad stories across the decade where chefs have just got lazy, got lazy, given up and lost that hunger to be competitive because it's the best job in the world. That's not really a job, it's a passion because when you're rubbing shoulders, and here we are now, 10 years later, and I've got a restaurant next door to Jamie Oliver's, and we're both literally two meters apart. Phenomenal chef, uh, and we keep each other on our toes. So that's exciting for me, and that's been the one key issue across the 10 years of filming Kitchen Nightmares. Never, ever, ever give up. Someone argue you've chosen a vocation that comes with a lot of pressure. Uh, like many of our listeners, they've chosen a profession as well, that comes with extreme amount of pressure. Some of this is internal, and we do it to ourselves, and some of it's external. It's placed on us by externalities. Now, you can't produce a diamond without pressure. It takes 725,000 pounds per square inch, or PSI, which is crazy. Just for relevancy, your car tire pressure is at 35 PSI. To make a diamond, it's 725,000 pounds per square inch. 
Now, a lot of people might view you as a bully, um, but you're, you say that you yourself were sort of, quote unquote, not bullied, but you're given tough love by your mentors that made you better. Now, I've played basketball at Michigan State University for Coach Tom Izzo. If you're not familiar with him, he is known for his tough love, but it comes from a place of good. And he does a really good job of knowing how far to push with that tough love to tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. But he does it not in a bullying fashion, Coach Izzo I'm talking about. He does it from a, a source of love. He says that the only true love is really often tough love. So when it comes to pressure in life, is pressure good or is it bad in your mind? Um, good question. Um, uh, pressure is healthy. It becomes stressful when you can't handle that. And I don't think we should never sort of misinterpret the difference between passion and anger. Of course I get upset when things go wrong. If I was flipping burgers and dressing Caesar salad, then I'd be high-fiving everybody. If I was a chef at TGI Fridays and you know, doing barbecue wings with a sour dip that was sort of sat there for 30 days at a time, then you'd see a completely different gourmet. I decided not to cook at that level. I suppose I get turned on by pressure. That's how I thrive. So... Some of you, um, you know, can, can handle that enormous amount of pressure. And I suppose more than anything, I don't, I don't think I've peaked yet. That's a weird thing about it. I don't, I don't, I don't feel I've, I've given everything I've got in food. You know, you're trucking along. You're having, well, at first you want to be a football player, but I know the injuries kind of prevented you from that. But you're quite a good football player as a young lad. Now, you're trucking along. You have these amazing restaurants. Things are going swimmingly. Why do you decide to go down the path of a show to get into television? You know, some chefs are very introverted and just want to be left alone to create amazing dishes. Why did your path take you down this path of, of getting into television? Um, I'm exposing talent, really. Um, I am the most unselfish chef anywhere in the world. Um, my team are no longer chefs, they're partners. And um, unfortunately, I'm always the one that's sort of regarded as spreading himself too thin. But there's 1,500 of us now. There's 1,550 in the team. So if I wasn't propelling talent and exposing talent and pushing them at the, the forefront, uh, you know, in modern, you know, um, odd cuisine, then they wouldn't be as talented as they are. So for me, it's a way of not giving back to the industry. I hate that scenario. But in terms of um, finding talent, nursing it, and then exposing it. Now, I've heard you quoted as saying, the higher you go, the less you learn. For the audience, the higher you go, the less you learn. W what do you mean by this? And why is being a baker, why is being a baker for all you bakers out there, why do you consider that the worst job? And then 22, you know, I was begging to become French. I went and lived in Paris for two years. Again, every time I got into a new kitchen, I started at the bottom. Didn't go in at senior level, didn't, because the higher you go, the less you learn. And so I went to the very bottom every time I went into a new kitchen. And even leaving Marco, which after two and a half years, going to the Gavroche, I could have got a, a senior position. No, start at the bottom, understand the tools in the box before you get given. Yeah, I became a baker. Uh, it was the worst job in the house because you started Sunday night at sort of five, six o'clock in the afternoon and worked right through till midday on Monday. And then I perfected the bakery, desserts, fish, meat. And so for me, um, I never wanted to be in a situation one day, if I ever had my own kitchen, was not knowing what was going on from desserts, the bakery to, to, to petty fours. I, I needed to know everything. All right. As we wrap things up, you've given us six amazing tips. What is your parting advice or your number one tip for our audience, whether they're aspiring chefs, many are not, they're entrepreneurs, they're entrepreneurs, or they're just simply a family man or woman just wanting to get better. They want to get better at life. What is your number one piece of advice or your number one parting tip? Tip number seven. 
Uh, my advice to any young chef anywhere in the world, um, get out of your comfort zone and put yourself in a scenario where you have to build a character, learn a second language, and find out a lot about yourself on your own, without mum, without dad, without your girlfriend, without your boyfriend, and without any money. Put yourself in a situation and build a character. You'll be surprised, three years down the line, what that does for your self-esteem. Phenomenal. Oh, more importantly, mind your language. I was very fortunate to be taught with some of the best chefs anywhere in the world. And the most important lesson I learned was passing that knowledge on. And I always ask that amazing question, if you're such a hands-on chef, restaurateur, who does the cooking when you're not there? Well, it's the same people when I am there. There's no difference. So I have an unselfish way of teaching people to invest in their palate to get it as strong as mine. I try to say to them, it's lazy to copy. Anybody can copy. So take 25% of everything you've learned from other chefs and then put yourself on the plate. And over the years of experience, reduce me less and improve yourself. And that's, that's the foundation uh, to becoming a great chef. All right, we've not only gotten received, we've not received seven amazing super tips, but we also learned the five things we all should be good at cooking. Ending with, of course, an amazing cake. My favorite, if you do a carrot cake very, very well, that is so hard to beat. Now, what we didn't get to unpack, which I found very interesting during my research, was that Ramsey married Kayatana Hutchinson in 1996, and they've been married since, and they've divided their time between Wandsworth Common in Los Angeles. They have five children together, Holly, Jack, Matilda, Oscar, and Megan. But unfortunately, his wife's father, who was originally responsible for the business operations of the Ramsey Empire, but that he was jailed for six months for conspiracy to hack into the computer system regarding Ramsey's business interests. So he's basically happiness, hacking his son-in-law's business interests, getting in to find out more about that. Uh, talk about a tense family get-together at Easter coming up. But after being jailed, he was accused, along with this, you know, of accessing the company's systems 2,000 times. But through it all, they've remained fully married despite these hardships. And Ramsey has told the media that he won't leave any money to his kids in his will. He doesn't mean in a bad way or with any malice. And we've seen this from Warren Buffett, uh, Tony Robbins, across the board, a lot of these successful people, Gary Vaynerchuk, but he doesn't want to spoil his children. In addition, he doesn't let his kids fly with him first class when they travel together. So can you imagine you're boarding the plane with your dad and your dad says, hey, see you later. Have fun in the back, sitting by the toilet back there in the 30th row uh, while I enjoy my massive recliner here up in the front of the plane but what he's doing he's trying to keep his children grounded and level-headed so they can strive to have the same worth ethic that has gotten him as far as he has in his star-studded career so despite sitting in first class so interesting enough despite sitting in first class Ramsey will never ever touch the airline food I know that holds true for a lot of us out there don't touch that airline food but anyways this is your host Eric Quammen a lot of you know me as equal man I'm super glad you joined us for today's super you podcast the podcast to help you go further faster to teach you how to have the courage to wear that cape because all of us have that superpower within us it's just discovering it unlocking it and unleashing it my hope that that's what this show is doing for you each and every week that you tune in and the way that it is possible is because we have an amazing team that helps put it all together and you know these names it's jake bren it's Maritza Gutierrez, and of course, it's Kelsey Gomez. But the biggest thanks goes to you, the listener. Thanks for keeping those reviews coming in. I don't care if they're one star or five star. It's just about getting us better as a show. So love that feedback. And it also helps others discover the show. So thank you so much. Again, feel free to give us a one star. If we stink, 
put it out there. But of course, we'd like to see those five stars as well. But anyways, this is Equal Man reminding all of us that we just need that courage to wear the cape. And until next time, it's not what we take from the world. It is what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, super, super. Super you. Super.